And then here comes the sign. For as the lightning coming out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The sign is himself coming. But there's no pre-warning. In these earthquakes and tsunamis, there's all kinds of attempts to pre-warn, to give a warning before the big one hits. And of course, people try to predict the date of the Lord's coming. But the Lord said there will be no warning. There will be no sign. He will come as the lightning without warning. In verse 29, you'll notice immediately. And then verse 30, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, himself appearing. Every eye will see him. No one will mistake him. And then shall all the tribes of earth mourn. And welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher, and it is ever a joy to join you to bring the message of the gospel from our church, our hearts, to your heart, wherever you are. And I trust that there will be a word just for you today. Now, I did mention, and I want to invite you along to our special 20th anniversary service here at our church on Sunday evening, 6 p.m., uh, in our church. We are remembering 20 years uh, of preaching the gospel at our present church location. And 20 years ago, on March 28th, to be exact, we had the opening of our church building for the preaching of God's Word. And I do want to invite our listeners along to join with us for the message uh, on that Sunday evening. And we look forward to your fellowship as we rejoice together in the Lord's grace and in the Lord's goodness. Now today we're uh, ministering on the judgment of this world. We're going to look at that on two levels. Uh, we'll look at it as Calvary, where God judged his Son, and where the Lord Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. But there is also the judgment of the world at the end of the world. And we'll read of that in Matthew chapter 24, when the Lord shall return and this earth shall be destroyed, burned up by fire. Now, there have been many local judgments. Uh, of course, there was Noah's flood, which destroyed the whole earth. But since then, there has been local judgments, floods, famines, pestilences. There have been volcanic eruptions, tornadoes, storms of many kinds. And these are reminders that this world is not at rest. It's a world that's groaning, it's agonizing, and indeed it's under the curse of God's judgment. And on the day when Christ returns, all the earth will be destroyed. And we need to be prepared. If you're building uh, for this world, you're building on sand. And the only way to build on rock is to build your life on the Lord Jesus himself. And that's my burden, that you might look to the Lord Jesus, be saved, be sure of eternal life through the work of the Lord Jesus. So stay tuned with us as we look at these two aspects of judgment, one at the cross and the other at the end of the world. And of course, for Christians, that is the great hope that we have. We're going to be 
delivered from this world. And that's because we've been to Calvary. We have gone to the place where God has judged our sin. And we have looked to the death of the Lord Jesus and to his precious blood. And now we can be sure that we are saved from judgment. We are hiding in the cleft of the rock in the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus said, Now is the judgment of this world. John twelve thirty one. In this judgment, God appears as judge, and the world is summoned before the bar of his justice as the defendant. But what is this world of which the Lord speaks here? The word world does not always denote the same thing in Scripture. You cannot quote the Bible at random on this point, as many do, and explain as if world simply means the same as all men. In the main, we may say that the Word of God speaks of two quite distinct and totally different worlds. The one is God's world. The other is fallen man's world. A glance at some of the passages in which the word occurs, will at once verify this statement. As the one hand we read in John 3.16, the well-known words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is God's world, the world of his everlasting good pleasure, the world of his love, the world he purposes to save in Christ, and that will be revealed in all its perfection of beauty in the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness shall dwell and of which Christ is the prince and head forever. On the other hand, we read in 1 John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth for ever. That is man's world, the world of sinful man, motivated throughout by enmity against God, full of corruption and right unrighteousness, which is not the object of the love of God, and may not be the object of our love. On the one hand, we read that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. And on the other hand, you hear the Savior say, I pray not for the world. And again, if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The one is God's world, the other is the world of man. On the one hand, we hear the word of God declare, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. On the other hand, we hear the Savior solemnly declare, Now is the judgment of this world. 
These two worlds are temporarily one, as the wheat and the chaff are one, for all are by nature in Adam, and all are under sin and condemnation. But God saves his world out of the world of man, and that too in the way of justice and judgment. was beneath the cross of Jesus. And now we come to our message today on preparing for the second coming of the Lord. This is the world that is condemned, and it's headed for judgment, the Bible tells us. It will never again be destroyed by a flood as in Noah's day, but it will be destroyed by fire. That is the teaching of the Word of God as found in Second Peter. And I exhort you today to prepare for eternity. Make sure that you are saved, ready for heaven, and sure of eternal life. If I can be of any personal help, of course, you can give me a call or be in touch through our email. And all those announcements are coming up at the end of the program. But now we're turning in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, and we are seeking to prepare ourselves for that great event, the second coming of our Lord Jesus. Stay tuned as we move now to the ministry from the pulpit of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale. 
Then verse 20. For the creature, or the creation, was made subject to vanity. That's the curse. That's the increase of the thorn, the briar, the weed. And this state of unease and tragedy that's in the world, that's vanity. What greater vanity than the great cities of Japan building skyscrapers to be swept away by earthquake and tsunami? Vanity. This is, this is devastation in the earth. And man is struggling to exist on the earth, struggling to build and rebuild and maintain some form of normalcy. But it's a struggle, and it looks like vanity. You may ask, why would people even plan to rebuild on an earthquake zone? But where would the people of Japan go? We may well ask, where would the people in Richmond go? They, the people in Richmond are living if there's an earthquake or a tsunami in this area, you don't want to be living in Richmond. But where would the people go? Langley wouldn't fare an awful lot better because it's, what, 35 feet above sea level? That tsunami would just come roaring in Crescent Beach, Mud Bay, right up the Cloverdale Valley, right into Langley. Nothing to stop it. Swept away. This is the vanity and you can see our governments, they build dikes, floodgates to keep the, the sea level down so that we can enjoy the use of this land. It's a struggle just to exist on this earth. And here it says, for the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same. In other words, this is God's mighty curse upon the earth because of sin. The wages of sin is death. And what we see of these tragedies, whether it's plagues, pestilence, famines, wars, and persecutions, what is it? It's the result of sin and the curse and its vanity. Subjected the same in hope. Oh, there is hope. There's a day of deliverance coming. There's a day when all of this will end. But let's read on in verse 21. Because the creature or the creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So there's going to be a great change and a great deliverance from that curse and the carnage and the devastation of the earth. And then verse 22, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And the language used here is the language of a mother seeking to give birth with the birth pangs of bringing forth a child. There is the pain and the anguish and the concern that is there. And this earth is in that state today. So what is this earthquake? It is the earth groaning longing for the day of redemption. And whether it's this earthquake or the one in New Zealand or the one that happened in Santiago in Chile or whether it happens here, the whole earth is subject to this vanity, this turmoil until the day of redemption. Now, 
verse 23 brings us to this glorious hope. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we within ourselves groan within ourselves. We groan. The Christian groans. Do you suffer pain in the body? Do you have sicknesses? You may not have been caught up in a tsunami or an earthquake, but this earth is it's temporary, it's troublesome, it's a struggle to exist, to keep a roof over your head, to keep food on the table. Uh, there's pressures, there's cares and trials. There's this groaning, and the Christian sees the sin. This is what we groan about as a Christian. We see the sin that abounds. We see the results of sin. We see young people in drugs and alcohol and, and a life of vice, and we groan, oh, that redemption might come and deliverance to a nation that needs God's grace. We groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, to wit, which is the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, that's our hope, the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And earthquakes, to interpret them aright, are they a sign of our Lord's turn, return? It's a sign that this earth cannot continue as it is. And it is the beginning of sorrows. It is a part of this struggle, the groaning, waiting in the expectation of the Lord's return. And of course, for the Christian, on that day, we will be with our Lord and changed. These bodies of ours and the twinkling of an eye and an atom of time will be changed into the glorious likeness of our Lord Jesus. There will be no more disease, no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more tears. We will be delivered from the groaning of this earth, and we will be with Christ, and we will be like Christ, changed into his glorious image. That's the hope of the Christian. That's the hope of the believer. I hope today that it is your uh, assurance that you're saved, that you are a child of God, that you're not living for this world, how, how, how vain and filled with vanity to live for this world, how empty it is. To live for a world that is just quaking and creaking, waiting to burn up which will happen on the day of the Lord's return. That fire of our Lord's return, by the way, it's, it's a refining fire. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. It will be a regeneration. It will be a refurbishing of the earth. The new Jerusalem will descend, and there will be a kingdom of righteousness. That's the hope of the Christian. That's the hope we have of future glory, future comfort, future peace. But this world is not our home. Our Lord Jesus said, In this world ye shall have tribulation, and that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. Now, as to earthquakes being a sign, we're answering this question. The next lesson I find here in this chapter is that no sign will be given. And while people look for signs, and some people set dates, you may have heard of a a radio preacher called Harold Camping, and he has set another date. 
May 21st, 2011. He says the Lord is going to return and rapture the Christians out of this earth. And then in October 21st of this year, he's going to destroy the earth. I don't know his figures for dates, but I do know that he has tried this a number of times and always got it wrong. So he's a false prophet. Because our Lord Jesus goes on in this passage, and he points out there is one sign of our Lord coming. I want you to notice it here in verse 26. Wherefore, if they shall say unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chamber. Believe it not. And then here comes the sign. For as the lightning coming out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. The sign is himself coming. But there's no pre-warning. In these earthquakes and tsunamis, there's all kinds of attempts to pre-warn, to give a warning before the big one hits. And of course, people try to predict the date of the Lord's coming, but the Lord said there will be no warning. There will be no sign. He will come as the lightning without warning. In verse 29, you'll notice immediately. And then verse 30, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, himself appearing. Every eye will see him. No one will mistake him. And then shall all the tribes of earth mourn. In verse 36, you'll notice that the Lord said, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. This is a secret kept in the counsels of God the Father. And in verse 37, you will notice that normal life will be going on as it was in the days of Noah. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Now it is true to say that no one knew. No one knew when the flood was coming. And this is what Harold Camping has picked up on. He's got this big sign no one knew, we can know too. And he has extrapolated that what God revealed to Noah to build the ark. And the nearer he got to completion, there came a day when the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, seven days before the flood did come. So no one knew. And he preached to the people. And those who would listen ought to have known but normal life was going on. They were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. But the Lord Jesus says when he returns, no man knows the day nor the hour. Now we know he's coming. That's an absolute. And in verse 42, there is the exhortation, watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. Watch, be vigilant. Be ready. Be ready. Are you ready for that great day of the Lord's return? The day for which this earth is groaning in trouble and devastation and sorrows and tribulation. This world cannot continue as it is. And all the environmentalists in the world will say we need to save the planet. God says this earth is under judgment. It's going to burn up. 
and Christ is coming. What are we to do? We're to be ready, ready in that hour when he returns. Ready for the grave or ready for the rapture? Are you ready? There are no predictions when the Lord will come that are accurate, dependable. We are told to be ready. When Mount St. Helen blew its top way back in 1980, already seismologists were trying to assess things. And what they noticed was that people flying around the top of that mountain, the animals were getting offside. They knew. They could feel the tremors somehow. They were sensitive to these tremors in the mountain. And they got away from the danger zone. People who were warned over the radio, visited by the police to get out of there, would not listen. And when that volcano erupted, the lava and the magma flowed down the mountain, and it devastated everything before it. Houses, cabins, wasn't a highly populated area, but it nevertheless were people living around and wouldn't listen. If you're not a Christian today, if you're not saved, you need to get ready. And I'm not, a, I'm not coming to you with a newspaper in hand and taking the headline to the newspaper and saying, look, because of this, get ready. No, but because of what our Lord Jesus said, this is the beginning of sorrows. And no man knows the hour of his coming. Watch, therefore, be ready. And therefore, I must plead with you to set your house in order. Get right with God. And be sure that on that day when Christ returns, it will be a day of glory and not destruction to your soul. Maybe you say, but I'm too busy with this world. I'm, I, I'm making money. I'm making friends. I'm climbing the ladder of, of uh, fame and fortune. Let me tell you all that. There's people in Japan today that have done all of that, swept away. They assess that there's now about 10,000 people either dead or unaccounted for, swept away. They were busy building for this earth. Oh, the vanity of it. And if that's all you have in this world is bricks and mortar and a little bit of dirt under your feet called your name on the land title, your soul's lost. You're lost. You'll perish. You need a title in heaven. You need to be redeemed by the blood of Christ. The only way you can be a part of that day of redemption is to be redeemed by faith, by trust in the gospel of redemption, calling upon Christ to wash you in his blood. For that he died on the cross to reconcile you to God and to bring you into fellowship with him. Are you saved? Are earthquakes a sign? The answer is indirectly yes. They are a warning to prepare to meet God. This world is not our home. May the Lord save you and draw you to the cross. This broadcast You've been comes listening. to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale, located at 187 Avenue, Surrey at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. On our website you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons and our gospel booklet called A New Beginning. There you can find a link to our Sunday services that are broadcast online. For all this information, please go to our website at 
cloverdealfpc.ca. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30am and 6pm to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of his precious word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer at 7.30pm every Wednesday evening. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day from September to June at 9.30am. You can contact us using our office number which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will lead you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. And this is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today and be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5am and 5pm and on Sundays at 9.30am on this station for our full or church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of his word.